Hey everybody, I'm Pastor Jeff Dawes, lead pastor here at Stockbridge Community Church. And I just want to say thank you for listening to our podcast today. I hope this message inspires you and encourages you. Enjoy today's message. Here's the question. Anybody in here absolutely love to fail? Like failure is your number one pastime. That's what I thought. Okay, all right, awesome. No, here's the deal. I mean, like, because if we're being honest, okay, if we have the choice between success and failure, what are we going to choose? Success, right? Like if you can be a great parent or a failure as a parent, you're going to choose a good parent, right? Like that's what we want. If, now, student, you may want to pass your test, but the person who wants you to be successful even more is your parents, all right, all right? That's right, I'm just saying. So, if we have a choice between success and failure, we could, we could go on and on about what that looks like. But here's what I know today, is that we all struggle at some level with failure. And if given the choice, I'll be honest, I do everything I can to avoid failure, um, because it's not always comfortable. But today... I want us to really talk about this idea of reframing your failures, and really for me, the title today is Reframing My Failures. I think if we, we take a look at the times in our lives when we made decisions that we wish we hadn't, when we, we didn't do things we wish we, we should have, we, sh, we, know, we knew better and we didn't, and everything in between, I think there's opportunity that, for us to grow in the midst of our failure. In fact, what kind of prompted this idea is because I want to be a better husband, a better leader, a better pastor, a better father to my two cats. Okay, maybe not that one. I'm just saying. You don't have kids yet, okay? Just celebrated three years of marriage uh, this past week and is awesome. Thank you. Thank you. I was telling people this week, our marriage is like a toddler. It's, you know, it's walking, it's talking, and it's out of diapers. Amen. It's a beautiful place. So, um, no, I'm just, I'm just grateful for the journey. And um, today, I just hope that this, this will be helpful for you. Um, now, as I was thinking about this, it made me think about exercising. Okay, there's a new motto I've adopted when I go to the gym. I used to work out with Pastor Jeff and Kristoff and some of the other people here. And let me tell you, Pastor Jeff is a beast in the gym, okay? Like, that guy can lift some weight. Their goal was to get stronger. My goal was not to cry in front of them, okay? <laughs> just calling it what it is. I cried on the inside for an hour every day. And uh, I'm, I'm coming to peace with that. And that's why I go to a different gym now, so that I can cry in front of strangers, and it's okay. They don't know. So, um, but what I've, this motto that I've adopted, it has really changed the way I exercise and in my personal life. It, it feels kind of opposite to what it should be, but failure isn't a problem, it's a goal. And when I first heard that, I thought, man, that person's crazy. Like, <laughs> failure isn't a problem, it's a goal. But here's what I've experienced. Now, maybe this isn't you because I'm not very strong. Okay, I'm just going to call it what it is. Let's say you go to the gym, and I don't know much about exercise, but this is what I have learned through some, through some studying, that let's say you're doing a bench press, and your, your goal is 10 reps because <laughs> 10 reps, I'm not doing 30 or 40, 10. We're going to call it a good day, okay? So I'm, I'm, I'm pumping the weight, trying to get through, and I get to nine, and man, you know what I'm talking? Well, maybe you don't. Maybe it's just me, but you know, your arms start to shake, and you're crying for help because you forgot a spotter, you know, so you're, you're trying to get this thing off you. 
But what happens when you, when you work hard enough that your body cannot push any farther, something happens. Your muscles have this amazing ability to reattach and make themselves stronger so that the next time you do that exercise, you're more prepared and you're stronger than you were the first time you did it. It's through repetition, it's through failure that your body becomes stronger. I think that this is true in our personal lives as well. I think that if we really take time to reframe my failures, your failures, all of our failures, we can see that it doesn't have to be this colossal letdown where I am weak, but through the power of God, I can be stronger now. So that's what we want to talk about today. And I think it's with an appropriate relationship with our weakness and our failure that we can find strength to live through tomorrow. You guys with me? And to succeed. So today I want to take a look at this guy named Peter. Now, Peter is, is fun for a lot of reasons. He's one of my, my favorites, but mainly because he's a walking, talking identity crisis, okay? Like, you read the Bible, and, and maybe you haven't before. I would encourage you to go read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and, and just see Peter does some amazing stuff. But man, he jacks it up a lot. And I can relate with that. I'm like, thank you, Peter. I, you know, I, I didn't do that, so appreciate you, man. Like, just being real. So when I look at Peter's life, he did some great things, but there was even a time he said something so dumb to Jesus that I can just imagine Jesus, they were walking, the disciples were together, and he's like, like, like palm, you know, face palm, like for real. And he, goes, he even said, get behind me, Satan, you're a stumbling block because you don't have the things of, of God on your mind, but of man. I'm just saying, I don't know how bad it is in your life. Hopefully no one's calling you Satan, okay? Like, like, my wife Morgan and I have healthy conversation from time to time, arguing. And it happens, you know, we argue. And so when we have these healthy conversations, she's never called me Satan. So I feel like it's not too bad, okay? I'm just saying. Hopefully at your job, no one's called you Satan. I'm just saying. So thank you, Peter. We appreciate you, all right? So as we look at his story today, I think we're going to find that really we can— Peter was this, and this is us too. It represents— all the potential and all the problems rolled into one package. And so let's take a look at number one, and we're going to see in, as we look throughout the Gospels at some different things we can learn from Peter. But number one, and if you would like to write this down, I would encourage you to do so, is when we identify who Jesus is, we find our identity. When we take the time to identify who Jesus is, we find our identity. And so let's take a look at Matthew 16 and just see, and we're going to start in verse 15, and we're going to take some pauses to to kind of break this down a little bit, because I think it's so important. So where we're at in this story with Peter and the other disciples and Jesus, he's asked them, who do people say I am? And they're like, dude, we've seen you feed thousands of people with a couple pieces of bread and some fish. We've seen people who were dead, they're, they're not dead anymore. People who are blind can see, and they're like, man, you're like a prophet. You're amazing. And Jesus is like, that's great, but who do you say I am? Now this, and so he asked them, that's what we see here. And so what, let, me, let me pause here for a second. This I am is a, a kind of a connection all the way back in the Old Testament to Exodus 3. When Moses, this guy who murdered somebody who ran away to the desert is a shepherd, he sees this bush that's on fire, and it Asked, it's like, come talk to me. I mean, like, that's terrifying. Like, that's a horror movie right there. You know what I'm saying? It doesn't end well when you're talking to a shrub that's on fire. 
Just saying. But Moses goes, and he asks this question, who are you? And, and God, in all of his infinite power, because he always is, always will be, there is no description. He just says, I am. Moses, I am. And so when Jesus asked this, it's kind of a play back all the way to that. He, what he's really saying is, it's not just, what have I done? It's disciples, you've seen me the most. Who do you say I am? And I think when Peter answers this question, it's the most important question that you and I will ever answer is, who do you say Jesus is? And Peter responds in a way that really Jesus, and let's just read what it says, and he asked them, who do you say I am? And Simon Peter answered, you are the, what's that word? Messiah, the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, this is so awesome, you are blessed, Simon, son of John, because my Father in heaven has revealed this to you. You did not learn this from any human being. Now I say to you that, let's read these next three words together, you are Peter, which means, what's that word? Rock. Now, not Dwayne the Rock Johnson, okay? All right, with his rippling pecs and fast and furious movies. Okay, we're not talking about that rock, all right? Jesus is saying, and we're going to read here, and upon this rock, I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it, and I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you forbid on earth will be forbidden in heaven, and whatever you permit on earth will be permitted in heaven. Now, this is so, so important. Because when Peter correctly identified who Jesus is, Jesus gave Peter a revelation of who he was supposed to be. And I think this is true for us today, too. I think what happened here was not that God or Jesus changed Peter in this moment and he becomes this new person, which he absolutely can. I think, though, he was changing Peter's view about himself. He was saying, I want you to reevaluate who you are. See, you were Simon, but now you're Peter. You're the rock. And so I think maybe we, we need to ask ourselves this question, who are we, but who does God want us to be? I think really, as long as we look at ourselves as God's improvement project of all the things we could be, but who we are now, instead of buying into this new identity, that we're always going to be trapped by our failure. We're always going to look at the journey of where I have to go, not where Jesus can carry me to. You tracking with me? And so I, want to, I just want to challenge you today that Jesus meets us in between where we're at, Simon, and where who, he wants us to be, Peter. So let me ask you this question. Who or what in your life have you given authority to speak to your identity? Is it a relationship? Is it a person? Is it your job? Is, is it addiction? Is it a habit? Is it something that you... You, you, the regret that you wish you hadn't done or something you wish you had done, and you have let that identify you instead of the son of the living God. Tracking with me? So wh what this looks like for me, I remember when I was in college, I, I went for biblical studies, and I was in an intro to preaching class, okay? And, and my professor went around the room after we had had some chances to kind of share stories and gave us some feedback. Um, he went around to every student and was given... He was speaking into our potential. Like to one student, he was like, man, you are a sharp dresser. Like that's excellence. Like you pay attention to the details. To another of my classmates, and this was a small class, he's like, hey, you have an incredible voice. You need to use that voice for God. So he's coming down the line, and you know how it is when, you, when you're going to receive encouragement. You're like, oh boy, like what's he going to say? So he's going down the line, and I'm like, yeah, that's cool, that's cool, but I want to know what you're going to say about me, right? 
Um, so he finally gets to me on one of the last people, and he walks up and he goes, hmm. I'm like, what, what do you mean, hmm? Like, like, you've had time. You've been thinking about this, and you get to me, and you're like, ah, what do I say? It, so he looks at me and goes, well, Tim, you have symmetrical ears. I promise that's exactly what he said. And I was like, that's it? Like, my ears, they match? <laughs> don't have a good voice. You know, you don't have good character, Tim. No, your ears, they have, they're, they're twins. It's like, are you kidding me? And like, you now here's the thing. Okay, so in that moment, I was like, oh, okay, cool. My ears are identical. But we you know what I realized? He meant the rest of my face wasn't. So I looked in the mirror and I'm like, oh, like my eye, oh, no, I, well, at least I've got my ears. So maybe nothing, if you walk away with nothing else today, you come up after service, you can take a picture with the pastor whose ears match. I'm just saying, like, <laughs> thank you, Lord, for, for identical ears. I, I'm just saying, and I can laugh about it now, and it's funny, and I'm promised that's exactly what happened. But what that began inside of me was a conversation that went back all the way to middle school. It reminded me of all the things that I was told that I wasn't, by other kids in school, that I was overweight, that I was, I mean, I'm still awkward today. It's, I embrace who I am, but I was so awkward. And, and just all these things that I, I saw other people and I was comparing myself and I wanted to be like them. I wanted to be cool. I want to be popular. I want to be well-known and, and in good shape, but I was none of those things. And instead of being reminded of who I could be, I was reminded of where I was in that moment. And I don't know about you, but that is a rough place to live from an identity of failure. A few years ago, after even that conversation, it was, I'm convinced, a prompt from God. I wondered, like, what does my name even mean? Like, I know Timothy's in the Bible. I know it's a popular name. Like, you Google Tim Mitchell, there's a lot of them, okay? I'm just saying, it's a, I guess it's a good thing. I don't know. But I looked up the name, what Timothy meant. And what I found is it's two words together. It's Tme and Theos in Greek. And together they mean the one who honors God. Now I heard that, and that should have been my reaction. It was, that's terrifying. <laughs> I'm like, I carry the name, the one who honors God. I'm like, I can't tell anybody, right? Like, this has got to be a secret. But here's what I feel like God was telling me in that moment, and it was to cover over all the past things that I wanted to be and wasn't. He was saying, I see who you are, Tim, and it is through your weakness that I can be made strong. It's not about the failure. It's not about the person who you were, Simon. It's about who I see that you can be, Peter. So today, I don't know what, what you're walking through and what failure you're carrying. What I'm trying to tell you is God sees you for who you can be, the potential, not just the problem. It's more than that. It's about reframing our failure. And so today, I, I want to challenge you. Maybe you've never accepted a new identity in Christ. And if that's you today, in our program, we have a prayer in the back that's called the prayer to become a Christ follower. Now, let me just say this disclaimer. These words are just a tool, so if you don't know what to say, you can use them. But these words themselves, they're just words. It's Jesus that saves you. Amen. And we challenge you to take a next step, and I want you to do this, to check the box on the back of your connection card. Why? Because we want to encourage and support you on this journey and welcome you into the family in your new identity, 
But here's the deal. Checking this box doesn't save you. It always has been and always will be Jesus. Always. But we would love to know how to pray for you. So I encourage you, if you take that step today to embrace this new identity, it will change everything in your life. I promise. It is amazing. Now, today, I, I, kind of as I was preparing for this and walking through each, each point, and I'm like, man, we could leave right there, right? Like, man, I got an identity in Jesus, and man, it's going to be all right. But here's what I found, that that's not the end of Peter's story, and it's not the end of ours. Number two, and this is so important for reframing my and your failures, is we can't see failure as the end, but as a beginning. Amen. Don't see failure as the end, but maybe it could be a new beginning. Now, as we continue here to kind of fast forward a little bit after Peter has received his new identity, and we, we looked in Matthew 16, fast forward, and Jesus is about to be betrayed by Judas and to be arrested and taken away to be killed. And, and he's spending these last moments with his disciples and Jesus says something so interesting, because I don't know about you, I, I think when I bought in with Jesus, everything is simple, it's not complicated anymore, and that sounds great, but let's look at the first two words in, in Luke 22, read those with me, Simon, Simon, I thought Simon had a new name, what was his new name? Peter, Peter. but Jesus calls him Simon, now that's really interesting to me, and as I look at this, I think sometimes we have a perfect view of what life could be like, but when we embrace our new identity, it doesn't mean that it's, all, it's never going to be complicated or not conflicting or confusing. Sometimes we walk back and pick up our old name, but Jesus is still willing to meet us there to remind us of where we can go. And so as we, we see this transition, Peter gets upset about what's, what's about to be said. He's like, because he's, he's going to deny Jesus. That's what this forecast of failure is that Jesus is about to speak. He said, Peter, right before I'm taken away, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter's like, no, I'm, I'm qualified. Jesus, I'm qualified. I'm the rock. I will never leave you. And what does he do? He leaves him, okay? So we're going to get to that in a second. But I want to read what Jesus says after he predicts the failure that's going to come, that Peter will deny him, Simon. It says, Simon, Simon... Satan has asked to sift each of you like wheat, all the disciples. But I have pleaded in prayer for you, Simon. Now, why again does he call him Simon? I think because what Jesus is saying here is, I didn't pray just for Peter, I prayed for Simon. I prayed for you at your lowest moment. Because I'm not repulsed, I'm not pushed away, I'm not afraid of your weakness, Simon. Even though you've embraced that again, it's going to be all right. I know who you can be. And so, as we continue, it says, Simon, Simon, I pleaded in prayer for you, but I, no, no, I'm sorry, excuse me, Simon, I pray that your faith should not fail. So when you have repented and turned to me again, strengthen your brothers. So Jesus prayed for Peter. Well, why did Peter fail and deny Jesus three times? Why did that happen? Don't miss this. You may want to go back and circle this part that says, see, Jesus didn't pray for Peter not to fail. He prayed that his faith wouldn't fail. He knew Peter was going to fail. He knew Simon was going to jack it up. But what he was saying is, I'm praying that after your failure, you won't walk away, but that you'll take the faith again, and you're going to continue to become Peter. So 
maybe the question for us today is, I don't know, maybe really it's, is that breaking point for Peter, when he becomes Peter, did it start back when he denied Jesus? Did he become stronger because of what happened here? And I want to take a look at this story in Luke 22, just a few verses ahead after Jesus predicts this failure. We see Simon Peter, and here he is. Let's take a look at verse 61. At that moment, the Lord turned after he denied Jesus, and he looked at Peter. I used to read this story and think Jesus looked at him like, dude, you've jacked it up. I think Jesus looked at him with compassion. I think he knew how broken Peter was going to be. And he looked at him to just... Because you know how it is when you look at someone in the eyes and they can say, I love you, without saying a word. I think that's what Jesus was doing here. But Peter suddenly remembered the Lord's words. They flashed through his mind before the rooster crows tomorrow morning as we continue here. It says, you will deny me three times that you even know me. And Peter left the courtyard weeping bitterly. I think that our breaking point for potential comes through failure. But here's what I know. You can be an overwhelming success in one category of your life in one column and be failing in another, right? You can be killing it at home with your, with your husband, your wife, with your kids, but man, your job is it's rough right now. You could be so smart, you don't have to study to get an A on that test, but you cannot get a date, amen? I mean, like, the struggle is real. <laughs> Just saying. Maybe you are in, a, in your personal life, in your spiritual life, you are killing it, but you are in so much financial debt that you're drowning. I know it's not exclusive because I can speak to this. I'm, I'm not just saying this because it's in the Bible or because I, it sounds good. It's because I've experienced it myself. I remember being, starting off early in ministry and checking off the box of praying, reading the Bible, all the tasks that I had to do in order to be a good Christian leader. But behind closed doors, I was a mess. I was a failure. I was so addicted. I was so committed to the lies so that I could create this persona of who I thought I had to be. But the problem was until I was honest about the failure that I was going through, I couldn't get help and healing. So maybe Peter's moment where he realizes is when he even looks Jesus in the eyes and he doesn't feel it in that moment maybe, but he's being reminded that failure is not the end, it's a new beginning. Because here, we're going to see in just a minute as we get to point three, the continuing of this story. Because what happens, Jesus is, is killed, he's buried and resurrected. And Peter goes back to fishing his old identity. He becomes Simon again, but he's catching nothing. And Jesus calls out to him and says, Peter, I'm going to reinstate you for who you're supposed to be. Your failure is not the end, it's a new beginning. But he's going to do something incredible through the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to get to that in a second. But I wonder if for Peter to preach in, on the platform, he had to fail in the courtyard. In order to become the rock, he had to be crushed. So I'm just thinking, I'm just saying, I don't think that failure is the end for you, for me. It doesn't have to be that your identity is consumed by the end because failure is more than your identity. It's just an event. And I think some of you are just in a growing season. I think it's through the tearing, it's through the, the failing and the breaking that your maturity will increase, your humility will increase. You're going to become wiser and stronger through understanding because God's going to help you get to where you want to go when His strength works in your weakness. And, 
And again, I'm telling you this because this is true in my life today, and God wants somebody in this room to hear it. You need to know that failure is not the end, it's the beginning. So we could really even wrap up here. I mean, like, we know that it's not just looking at this one scene of failure, but that we're looking ahead to where Jesus is going to reinstate us. But here's the deal. Anybody like dessert? Let me tell you, man, y'all, a few people like dessert. Who likes some dessert? Okay, I'm talking like, mm, like you hit the dessert bar first at the buffet. You know what I'm saying? I'll get, some, I'll get something good later, but I'm getting the dessert. Brownies that are on the edge, gooey in the middle and crusty on the outside with a little ice cream on top. You know what I'm saying? Doesn't get better than that. That's hallelujah. I'm just saying like, oh, I'm just like, I'm just saying tomorrow I'm relaxing. I'm going to find me a warm brownie. Okay. Like Labor Day weekend. I'm not going to labor, but here's my, here's my point. We walked through, we had the entree. Are you guys ready for some dessert? Man, we can embrace a new identity in Jesus and know that failure is not the end, but what Peter is going to experience next in his story is a game changer, not just for him, but for all of us. That brings me to number three, and I would love for you to write this down. It's let the Holy Spirit qualify you. See, what we see in this story with Peter, this walking, talking identity crisis, he experiences his new name, he fails, He's brought back in. And as we fast forward the story just a little bit, Jesus has been with his followers for 40 days, and they've, he's been investing and pouring into them, and he, he goes back into heaven. But he says, and this is a pretty tough bill to fit, there's someone better than me coming. And I can imagine they're like, someone better than you, Jesus? Like, what does that even mean? He's like, just wait. Oh, oh just wait, Peter, John, James, all you guys. It's going to come. You're not going to be ready for this. And so they're waiting in Jerusalem for something to happen. Man, it does. In the book of Acts, if you've never read it, it's the early church after the Gospels. And in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit falls on the disciples, and they start doing some crazy stuff. They walk in the streets proclaiming that Jesus, what He's done for them. And and on your program today, I've put Acts 2, 1 through 41. Don't fear. We're not reading the whole thing, okay? All right? I want to scare you. This just, I want to encourage you to read that story. It's amazing. But for the sake of time, I want to, to kind of fast forward to the end in verse 40, and let's take a look and see what happens. Peter's been preaching, and he has been killing it. And he says, then Peter continued preaching for a long time, strongly urging all his listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. And 41, I love this. Those who believed what Peter said were baptized and added to the church that day about how many? 3,000. One day, one message, one God working in 3,000. You have access to the same Spirit of God today that changed Peter, that qualified him from his past failures. He was no longer just Simon, he was Peter. And when he embraced his identity, man, he let the Holy Spirit work through him. It changed everything. So let me ask you today, what's going to be your qualifier? Is it your regrets, your addictions, the relationships, the mistakes, or is it the Holy Spirit of God that wants to watch you change the community because His power and your weakness will change everything? It is the game changer. I want to give you an opportunity, church. Maybe you're wondering, what does that look like? We have something that I am so excited for. This month of September, we're going to enter a 21 days of prayer here in a, in a few weeks, or just a week. 
And what we're going to do as a church is we're going to pray together at 1.55 in the afternoon every day. And you're wondering why 1.55? Because we're on State Road 155. I know, very, yes, very clever. Um, but it's easy to remember, right? And so here's the deal. If you would like to opt in and be part of prayer on the back of your connection card, you can check that box that you want more information, you would be involved. Why? And there's more details in your program you can check out. But here's why I'm excited. Can you imagine what well over a thousand believers praying together will do for this community? When we unite ourselves in prayer, what's your family going to look like? What's the school in your community going to look like when the Holy Spirit of God is moving and changing everything? If he did it for Peter, if he did it thousands of years ago, I believe that the same God who is I am is the same one who wants to change your, your future. He wants to change your failure and reframe it into success. So if you're with me today, church, I, I don't know about you. I believe that God wants to do something fresh in this community. And if that's you, I want to encourage every person in this room to just stand on your feet. We're going to go into worship in just a moment. But I want to challenge you. We've been doing this for a little while now where we've been coming down in, into the altar to pray and to receive and be healed. And, and that is amazing. And I want you to continue to do that. But here's what I want to ask of you today. I want to give you an opportunity for, to watch something brand new happen. What would it look like in your life if the qualifier, you're not unqualified anymore, you've been qualified by the Holy Spirit. What would it look like if you came forward and received a fresh anointing of the Spirit in your life? What would it look like? And here's the thing, I don't know what that looks like, but I know it's amazing. For each and every one of you, God wants to do something fresh and new. So as the band is going to come and lead us in worship, I want to invite you to come forward and fill this space to receive new power, to receive new vision, to receive new presence from God in a way that you can't even begin to imagine. So please can come forward as you feel led to. But I believe today that chains are going to be broken and lives are changed forever by the power of the Holy Spirit. Hi, this is Pastor Jeff again. I just want to say I hope you enjoyed today's message. If you would like to support God's work through Stockbridge Community Church, simply go to our website at secview.net. Again, that's secview.net and click the Give tab. We want to thank you again for being with us today. God bless you. Have a wonderful day.